installment of this U.S. News Podcast series where we interview newsmakers and discuss the news and applications relevant to the global unmanned technologies community. I am your program host, Patrick Egan. This is usually where we would say hello to Gene Robinson, but he's out in the field uh, doing something, which is okay because that's where you learn and where, let's say, the rubber meets the road, hopefully. But anyway, today's... uh, uh, episode is Autonomous Aerial Robotic Inspection, and uh, it's going to be an exciting topic for me because this is where I believe the, uh, after we come out of the trough of uh, disillusionment, come out on the other side, we're going to be coming uh, face-to-face with the promise of unmanned uh, aerial technology. So let's bring on our, our guest. We have Min Chow and An Shu Lu. Or am I pronouncing that right? An Shu. <laughs> yeah, you did very well. You can just call me Ash. All right. Well, hey, whatever. You know, uh, it kind of <laughs> happens that way. I'm not real good with uh, what's what's names sometimes. Scruggs. There's Scruggs the Wonder Cat. Get out of here. Um, all right. Well, anyway, let's get rolling into this here. And uh, Min, could you uh, please give us a brief bio and uh, how you came to work with small unmanned aircraft systems. Absolutely. Um, an absorber of your content, uh, happy to be on and, and contribute now. So going full circle here, um, by way of background, uh, we're a team of five, uh, very engineer centric. Uh, and uh, by way of background, Ash is an aerospace engineer. My background is in investment banking. So of course we had to build a flying robot with a uh, with a sound business plan behind it. So uh, just uh, you, you know the universe brought us together for this, I believe. And uh, my personal background: seven years in investment banking uh, in the East Coast. Uh, graduated from Babson College. Um, always had that entrepreneurial itch. Uh, I really think it started when um, I grew up. The first five years of my life was spent in a refugee camp and. Uh, I saw my older brother, you know, he was, uh, he was shining shoes and uh, he was such an entrepreneur. We didn't know what that word was. There wasn't that, uh, you know, that word in the, vo- in the Vietnamese vocabulary. But uh, I remember as a child just seeing him, you know, uh, when all the other shoe shiners and shoe repair kids were all huddled together waiting for the customer to come, he would actually leave that group and go door to door knocking on people's doors and he would figure out, you know, when their, their family would send them remittance and, uh, and he would just hit them up and, you know, that's a true entrepreneur, in, the, in my opinion. There's someone that hustles, someone that, uh, that doesn't go for the low-hanging fruit. Um, so, you know, that's, that's my entrepreneurial journey. Uh, moved out to California in 2016. Um, always fascinated with drone technology, but always, you know, realized that it, it's a technology that's not meant to deliver pizza uh, for selfies. Uh, there's got to be more to it. And, you know, this was during that same time period when we saw, you know, 3D robotics, uh, you know, raise all that funding and then use all that funding. And, you know, it, there, there just had to be a more sustainable business model. And, um, and, and that's where Ash and I reconnected. We were friends on the East Coast. And we said, you know, let's develop a platform from the ground up, focus on B2B, focus on a niche application that goes beyond just drone technology of capturing data, of analyzing data. And let's let's bridge that gap closer to robotics where we can actually manipulate our environment, where we can, you know, achieve these promises that the Jetsons promised us, you know, 30 years ago. And, and that's the impetus of our company is really to build a flying robot, one that interacts with its environment, manipulates it. And, um, and that's where we are. Uh, Ash, I'll let you introduce your background. 
Yeah, very well put. Um, well, so my name is Ash. Um, I am uh, I come from an aerospace background, working in the aerospace commercial aviation industry for about six and a half years. Uh, went to school at uh, Georgia Tech, got my bachelor's and master's in aerospace engineering. Uh, so obviously, you know, when we decided to start a company, we have to start something that flies. Uh, so, um, you know, I, was, uh, I am an immigrant myself as well. Moved out to New Jersey when I was 12 years old. And, uh, you know, uh, airplanes at the time was the closest way home. Uh, and uh, if you think about it, airplanes are the closest we'll ever get to teleportation in our lifetime, right? You go to the airport, you step through the door, 13 hours later, you're in Beijing, right? How, are we, how else are we going to travel this fast and this far? Uh, so that's how I fell in love with commercial aviation. Uh, then a few years down the road, after I started working in this industry, I started to see that uh, DJIs and uh, parrots start to come onto the market. And I thought, wow, this is really cool. This could be the next um, you know, revolution in flying machines. This could totally change our life. Um, but then you know, we started to observe that uh, uh, these private big companies are mostly focused on uh, you know, strapping a better camera onto the drone, having it fly higher, further. Uh, of course, you know, long distance unmanned systems, that's a terrific, um, terrific technology, and that will transform our life. But uh, the way that uh, Min and I approach it is that we want to uh, use drone as a robotics platform so that we can actually get things done at higher altitude, uh, at, uh, you know, a longer range, over rugged terrain, uh, whatever have you. So we thought we would uh, try to change this industry in our way. All right. Well, several observations I've got, but I want to welcome Gene. Gene made it. Gene Robinson. Hey. hey Sorry, I, I, apologize for, I apologize for my tardiness, but uh, I got to listen to both of your introductions. And, Ash, I want to know how you got to Beijing in 13 hours, because when I went there, it was like 30 hours, but I did make it. On time, it was okay, but I, it wasn't any 13 <laughs> hours. And and secondarily, uh, you guys, with your whole view on robotics, is exactly where my company and we are going uh, for public safety. We're, we're looking at that long endurance, the rugged terrains, all the places where your commercial flyer doesn't get to fly, or the conditions they get to fly in. So, man, I'm I'm ready to hear some more. Let's go, guys. Yeah, this is going to be right, good. Right. But Ash, okay, so you know, out of the frying pan and into New Jersey. <laughs> you know. yeah, I, I, I still remember uh, when I first came over. Uh, that was back in '97, and I still remember having to uh, do a layover in Chicago, hop on Northwest flight, having to stop in Anchorage, Alaska, to fill up on gas <laughs> before continuing to Beijing. That was, uh, at the time, was 19, uh, 19 hours or 18 hours or something like that. But now, you know, if you hop on a 777, uh, you fly over the polar route, get into Beijing 13 hours later. Uh, you know, that's such improvement. And now, from LAX, there is a direct flight to my hometown in Jinan, which is a much, much smaller city of about, let's say, 5 million people. Uh, before, we had to go through Beijing, take the train, that's another 7 hours. But now I can just fly there, order an Uber, and, uh, you know, uh, 14 hours later, I'm home, door to door. Gene, you've just opened up a can of worms. You could talk about aviation and flight for the remainder 25 minutes we have on this call. So, 
Wait, exactly. I'm a pilot, so me and me and Axel get along just fine. Uh, my education is in aviation too, and we are brethren. So sorry, you have to put up with us. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's interesting. You work and, you with know, a fixed-wing platforms, correct? Uh, well, actually, we're doing both fixed-wing and rotor wings. So, you know, we're I, I have at least expanded my aeronautical horizons so that I'm not biased toward fixed-wing only. Gotcha, gotcha. Very cool. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, a lot of people when we talk about drones, they think about quadcopters. Either that or the military airplanes, right? And then, uh, yeah. and then you don't really think about the smaller fixed-wing aircraft that have longer range, can carry a lot of payload, very useful stuff. Yeah, well, most of the kids well, don't think that the small fixed-wing stuff is uh, is a drone. It's got to have four uh, rotors on it, or it's not a drone. But that's you know that's yeah. a podcast for another time when we've got <laughs> more time to. Uh, <clears throat> You know, talk about those subjects. So, yeah, okay, let's let's move on here. Uh, I've got to keep the uh, the the fast pace of the podcast rolling. Um, so, you guys have this uh, system, and I'm going to call it the uh, autonomous inspection robot. And uh, so, I'm going to throw it out there, and either one of you can answer this. But uh, you know, there's varying, um, let's say, definitions of uh, technology. Um, and, and I find this in uh, with AI and uh, autonomous. So I'm going to ask the question: What does autonomous mean to you? And why don't uh, Min? Why don't you go first, and then we'll we'll follow up if Ash has something to say on it. For sure, I think uh, autonomous means to me something that is out of the box, push a button go decision-making an extension of the user. Uh, that's truly what it is, uh, in my opinion, and, um, and something that can manipulate its environment, saying something that is autonomous, uh, you know, you can say that a security camera is autonomous, right? Um, but there's got to be more to it. There's got to be that human factor in there, too. And uh, we build the machines to be an extension of ourselves. Um, so it should do most things that, you know, that we want to do in our, and should be capable of doing. Correct. Just to be a little more specific, our drone is designed to make contact with uh, vertical surfaces so that we can actually carry out contact inspection, contact non-destructive testing or inspection. Uh, So, you know, a lot of drones out there uh, today, whether they're automated or not, uh, they usually collect visual data. And our drone is designed to actually purposefully fly into an object uh, put a set of uh, NDT like ultrasonic eddy current or um, you know uh, or mechanical impedance type, type of sensors right onto the surface of the material to pick up signals and data on the quality and uh, uh, you know the, the the shape and the form of the, of the material itself. So if we see kind of micro cracks or if we find the delamination. Uh, our machine can pick that out, while a lot of the visual inspection machines cannot pick out. Uh, so that's the special part about uh, about uh, our equipment. And uh, if you talk about automation, uh, you know, uh, it, it ranges a lot, right? On the simpler side, um, you know, when you're typing in a word processor, you do copy and paste. That's a, side, a, a type of automation. If you talk about Tesla, you know, driving from point to point autonomously, that's, all, of course, automation. But in our case, our drone is, the, our system is actually designed to 
uh, lock onto a vertical target. Uh, let's say for wind turbine, wind turbine blade inspection, we can lock onto the area that we need to inspect. Uh, the operator can click on point on the surface, and the drone will start its scan according to a pre-programmed pattern from that spot on. Uh, so basically, the operator needs to get the equipment out of the field, set it up, define the target, define the point to start, click a button, then the system's good to go. Uh, wow. Yeah, that uh, that sounds uh, pretty amazing. I mean, I, I you know, um, the only thing I you know, where how do I take a selfie? No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I think that's a uh, what you know what it sounds like is this is something that might be a quantum leap here. Um, and and you know, so go ahead. I I was just gonna say, you know, this is something back in the day that uh, I used to do, coincidentally enough, uh, did some robots for non-destructive testing, uh, did the data collect, program the data collection system on them, and uh, we used, or, or I kind of got pretty good at an inference engine, uh, which is basically some, some logic chains in there that says if you encounter this, you do that, and you talk about being an extension of the user, you know, you can put those sort of data steps into uh, or steps into a database that is truly an extension of the user because you put their knowledge into it. So, I, I mean, this is all great stuff, and, and uh, I'm, I'm liking what I'm hearing so far. And it is. It's quantum leap, Patrick, I, and, and what, the way we do things. Yeah, well, uh, you know, we, and I mean, you know, that's kind of what we have to do is find the pain points and uh, offer some sort of solution for that. So let me ask you a question here, and I'm going to kind of get down into more granular, uh, drill down, as it were, on this, because, um, you know, I kind of have a battery of questions that I, I like to ask people to figure out um, what they're, they're thinking here. So, you know, is this system proprietary, or are you just using proprietary software? Um, did you build this from the ground up? you know, to, to accommodate yeah. a, a certain, you know, family of sensors, you know, what, what is this? What, where did you, right. it is, what, what are you guys, uh, what, what, what is your, you know, what's your stake in this? Yeah, it is a proprietary system. Um, we, uh, we actually had to make our uh, own drone frame. And the reason for that is because we had a system, a gimbal system that allows us to put, up to a quarter of the entire drone's weight in a lopsided position. Um, we mm -hmm. did this because we wanted to put heavier sensors, multiple sensors, and um, you know mechanisms that allows us to glide on the surface in a position that can contact, make contact with the wall easily without uh, risking having the propellers clip onto the wall itself. Right. So first of all, we have to figure out a way how to um, you know balance this type of, uh, um, you know, uh, very skewed weight location without affecting how the drone flies. Uh, so that involved a, a pretty strange uh, looking uh, center, uh, center bridge type of system. So we had to, instead of using an X frame, we had to use an H type of frame. Uh, now, you know, we're also um, one of the few companies, uh, probably the only one company, that's perf purposely running a drone into a solid target. Right. So we had to have our own uh, set of sensors to make sure that we're aligned on the approach. 
and we can, uh, and also to make sure that we can do this kind of maneuver safely. Uh, of course, the automation system is also proprietary as uh, we don't really have GPS to guide us on the vertical surface. Right? So there's uh, several elements, uh, not only on the drone perspective, but also on the software automation perspective that's uh, proprietary. And we came into this project not wanting to be a part of any, you know, anybody's ecosystem. We wanted to really build out our own ecosystem. So um, hence, you know, the design from the ground up on the hardware side, on the software side as well, uh, developing our cloud-based client portal. Um, this is uh, both are something that are uniquely ours and, um, and was part of our thought process and how we were going to build this company long term. You know, and, and there was another observation I wanted to make at the beginning, and that is that, that you guys are based in Los Angeles, which <clears throat> I'm thinking that it might be good uh, because I think there's a buffer between, um, you know, the, the techno chamber in Silicon Valley in Los Angeles, because uh, you guys are making sense. It sounds like, you know, we're using math and science and thinking about physics and uh, real world environments uh, is what I'm getting from you guys. The way that you're approaching this is definitely outside of the group think in Silicon, whoa, in Silicon Valley. Um, interesting. Interesting uh, way you're going about that. And I was going to ask that question, you know, so if you put different sensors on your uh, drone, the center of balance or center of gravity is going to change and how are we going to overcome that? You've kind of explained that um, somewhat. So that was consideration. So you're, there's like a suite of sensors that you guys are capable of flying and collecting uh, data Besides just, uh, let's say, electric, uh, electro-optical data, correct? Yeah, correct. Uh, what we developed is, um, shall we say, um, shall we call it a mobility platform, an automation platform for existing NDT sensors. Uh, so, you know, we are uh, strapping in the front, uh, uh, you know, we could strap on in the front, uh, you know, uh, ultrasonic thickness gauges, uh, but we really have advantage in using ultrasonic flaw gauges. I'm not sure if uh, uh, you know the difference, but the flaw gauge would, uh, would yeah. give you much more material. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, also we could do ultrasonic phase array as well. Uh, so there's a variety of uh, existing off-the-shelf probes that are proven in the industry and in the field that we can strap on our drone. And that really okay. makes our technology surface agnostic when we're inspecting these high-altitude assets. Um, we can inspect, you know, a wind turbine made out of composites just as easy as we can uh, inspect a 787 that's docked. Um, we can inspect the, you know, a, a steel commercial vessel. So really we can play in any area where women and men need to be deployed to, to make surface contact to do these type of testings. Right, and so the other thing that we have, uh, and I don't want to get too far down there, but I, w I wanted to touch on that. So, <clears throat> you know, your system uh, is different from the run-of-the-mill systems or, let's say, people that are operating in, in other people's ecosystems, which I think is good. And some people beat me up for this, you know, because I, I am uh, concerned about, uh, you know, let's say uh, data security, we'll call it. Um, and I'm not saying that, you know, I don't want to deride anyone's product or whatever else, but some of these uh, industries that you're talking about, uh, data security might be an issue for people, you know, in uh, power generation and things like that. And so I think that's another smart move and maybe uh, also, um, you know, 
being buffered from the Silicon Valley crowd. That's uh, that's interesting. So, uh, you know, the the value proposition or deliverables for the customer sound like they're much more than just pretty pictures, or let's say skin deep. You know, we're we're getting a little, we're going a little deeper, we're digging a little deeper, and we're finding things. Let's say before they uh, make it to the surface. Fair estimation. Correct. That's uh, that's spot on, and that's the genesis of our technology. Is uh, you know, you related to cancer, right? If you can detect cancer at its source, you can detect it early on. Um, you have a higher probability of uh, of treatment, and that's the same thing with these uh, assets that that are constantly in motion. Think about a wind turbine that's easily twice the size of the Statue of Liberty. Um, ex- exerts a lot of wear and tear, and defect usually happens at the subsurface level. And that's what our technology does: is that um, you know we take X-rays and we can see these defects at its source, um, and it allows the asset owners, the manufacturers, um, the parties that are related to maintenance to be more proactive as opposed to reactive when catastrophic failure happens. So that's, that's one of our value propositions. Um, another one is speed. Right now, you know, it takes about 10-plus hours to fully inspect one wind turbine with a team of three on rope and access. Uh, we bring 10 hours down to two hours, um, and ultimately removing the human equation and the time factor uh, ultimately reduces costs greatly. And it's better data. It's more frequency of data. If you can bring costs down, if you can decrease down machine downtime, why wouldn't you have more inspections? And why wouldn't you have more frequent inspections to have a more continuous flow of data so that you can better track the progression of uh, of your asset? So right. Well, no and, and if you're in an industry where you're selling something like power, uh, having, let's say, a warning uh, before a potential breakdown gives you time to schedule for that asset to be off a line instead of Burp, it's down and now we've like you said reactive got to go out there and and deal with it and the whole time it's down we're not making any money uh, which at the end of the day i mean you know the deliverables are is everybody wants to make a little money um, that's how business works some people forget that we've and we've seen some of that in the drone industry but that all makes sense to me um you know, same with, uh, you know, if we were to get into the pipeline uh, inspection, you know, when, when a, if it's not in, induced by an accident, uh, but it's some sort of failure or fatigue, not only are we, uh, we have a, a situation where we're not delivering product and not making money, uh, we also could potentially have an environmental disaster on our hands. Same with like a ship or something else. So it would make sense to... Uh, the earlier, the better. And is this kind of, I mean, are, you know, are you finding, I know, you know, that was another question I, I had out here is, you know, you guys are actually um, testing this or work, right? Or it works, right? This isn't just a, a concept or vaporware or we're going to pivot next week into something else, right? Uh, no, we're, we're not going to be delivering pizzas anytime soon. Um, we're, Damn it. We're in the field right now. <laughs> we're uh, we're in the field right now. Um, just happens, you know, we're close to Palm Springs, which has one of the highest concentration of wind turbines. So, um, you know, that's been a, a good source of testing ground for us. Um, we're right next to the Port of Los Angeles, the Port of Long Beach as well. Um, so another testing ground for us. So this is not a concept. Um, if you have a wind turbine for me next week, I uh, would love to come to your facility and test it, show you the technology. Well, it's just so happens. Kidding. I, I was just going to ask you guys: Do you ever get to the 
run into the folks that say, you know, we've done it this way for years. Why should we change? Um, Of course, there are some, but most part we've seen that uh, these, uh, especially in renewable energy, is very forward thinking, um, and and they can see the value. Uh, You know, as an asset owner, we speak to them, and yeah, my pain points are that you know I have a fleet of 50 wind turbines, and it takes about 10 hours to inspect one, and it's about $3,000 per wind turbine. So now we're talking about weeks of downtime and hundreds of thousands of dollars potentially. Um, you know, you can reduce this by 80% downtime and, you know, and decrease by over two-thirds. Why wouldn't I use the service if I can have the same data? And that's the key for these, for, uh, for these asset owners is that, um, you know, it's industry standard data that we need to adhere to. And that's why we didn't reinvent the wheel and design our own probes. We built a system that incorporates existing probes. So we're using the same technology as, you know, as these folks that are scaling the structures and, and actually doing it by hand. All right, well then, you know, let me, this is another question. This might be another, you know, byproduct of the buffer zone. Did you guys actually go out and talk to people in this industry before, you know, you started designing the aircraft? We did, yeah. We, oh, we did a bottoms-up approach. Um, we spoke with, uh, with the rope access technicians, the women and men that actually scale these structures to learn about their pain points. Um, and for them, it's, you know, we're, we're not taking any business away from them. Um, I, use, I like to use the analogy of a surgeon, right? A surgeon is, uh, you know, is trained to fix you up, to cut you. They're not trained to diagnose the problem. And that's what we're finding with these rope access technicians is that the inspecting aspect of it is a pain point for them. They have to do it, but it's the, you know, it's the maintenance that, uh, you know, that their parent company makes the money, and that's what they're trained to do. So we, we incorporate our technology into their platform. Um, asset owners, again, spoke to them, and it's a speed, cost, uh, reliability, and data, uh, speaking to, you know, manufacturers of these assets, and, uh, and uh, very, very similar to, to that approach is that, uh, you know, they, they maintain these assets during the warranty period. They deploy these women and men, and, uh, again, it's downtime, it's cost, and it's quality of data that all three parties care about. Wow. Well, that's, you know, you guys are, uh, you know, head and shoulders a bunch uh, or ahead of the rest of the crowd here. Just, you know, develops a system for, for problems that they perceive knowing nothing about the industry. So that that's good, too. That's good to know. Okay, so um, do we see this product as, you know, drones as a service or even remotely maybe or... Do you see it as something that you would train the end user to use as a tool in their toolbox? How do you see this sure. being deployed? Um, right now for our initial deployment, we see this as drone as a service where we offer it to um, directly to the wind farm operators. And why we're doing this drone as a service is that, A, they don't have to incur the cost of a you know depreciating asset. Uh, B, uh, these commercial-grade wind farmers, uh, you can be you know, an owner of 10 wind farms, truly mom-and-pop operation, and, can, and call yourself commercial-grade, or you can have a field of 450 wind turbines. So um, you know, the mom-and-pop's operation may not have a dedicated uh, maintenance team on staff that can handle you know, a commercial-grade drone. And, and third, most importantly, as you guys know, we have to have a human operator on site right, to operate. So um, our platform is truly drone as a service. We deploy an operator. We do the inspection, and it's a turnkey solution for the customer, um, and, and they don't have to incur any of the costs, any of the training, um, any of the, uh, of the regulation issues that come with it. Interesting. Okay. That's, that's a good, uh, 
good explanation of the approach. And uh, when will the product be available for purchase? Is this uh, something that you guys are, are producing now, or are you scaling up production? Where, where are you on that? Uh, we're producing now. Uh, we're doing field testing now. We're going to be uh, conducting field research um, for the next two months. Uh, literally, we're just wandering the deserts of Palm Springs and wherever there's a wind turbine, <laughs> wherever – you know, if, if you know some commercial aircraft that are docked, would love that. Uh, shipping vessels, uh, we're just scouting. Um, but uh, we do have the technology, and, and we are doing tests, um, and we're looking at beginning of Q1 of 2019 to uh, just start our pilot program. All right. Well, that sounds good. So, okay, so I'm a listener, and I have a uh, wind generation farm, and I want to find out more information about your company where would I go on the interweb? Yeah, uh, go to Radii, that's R-A-D-I-I, robotics.com, and you can find us there. And uh, so, yeah, there'll be more information on that and or on the site. And then also, uh, I guess you'll be posting uh, more information as um, the good news unfolds. Correct. Yes. Uh, LinkedIn as well. Twitter um, needs to be more active on that. <laughs> um, but yeah, we've you know we, we've just come out of development and right now um, starting to uh, you know starting to talk to uh, to good folks like yourself and get our name out there. But uh, very excited about the technology. Very excited about the future of drone. I think you know we're moving away from you know from using drones for a low hanging fruit application and we're seeing you know companies like ours um and, and other colleagues in the industry really pushing the envelope to you know beyond just dropping off a box why couldn't you use a drone to hand deliver that package you know why couldn't a drone instead of for visual have two extensions of of, of an arm and fix something that's high altitude you know this is we have the technology we just need to put the pieces together and uh, and get get out of this mentality that everybody is going to own a drone uh, just like they own a laptop that's not the case it's uh, you know this this is a b2b application and and this is um, you know this is this is environmental manipulation and being able to interact with your environment i think that's autonomy in my opinion and that's drones and that's robotics and you put them in a blender, and uh, you have a technology like ours. Yeah, you have uh, Radii Robotics. So we'll leave it there in this episode. I want to thank you, gentlemen, for coming on. It was uh, enlightening, and I did definitely believe you guys are, are headed in the right direction. You'll have to keep in touch. Um, you know, So thanks for being on. And I yeah, want to absolutely. thank Gene. Thank you for having us, Patrick and Gene. Hey, you know, yeah, glad to be here. really fun. Great. Glad to have you guys, Gene. Till next time. Uh, see everyone later. Everyone be safe.